Well, hello everybody and welcome to the Weirdly Cosmic podcast. I am Louise Eddington, the Cosmic Owl of Cosmic Owl Astrology. I'm an astrologer and author of two books, The Complete Guide to Astrology and Modern Astrology. And I help people to really tune into the energies of the cosmos to gain a sense of deep understanding and guidance for their path in this lifetime. And welcome to my first solo podcast. Um, I've been podcasting for three years with my good friend Jen Duchenne under the Weirdly Magical podcast. But our lives have gone, you know, slightly different directions. And um, after three years, it seemed time to uh, switch things up and change things a little bit. I know some of you were very attached to the Weirdly Magical podcast, but I hope you'll enjoy the Weirdly Cosmic podcast. And I hope you'll also follow Jen once she's uh, made her big move and once she decides where she's going from now on with that as well. So, (laughs) here we have the first podcast, aptly enough, on the uh, Taurus New Moon, which will be on May the 11th. Why apt? Because the Taurus New Moon is, um, uh, Venus is the planet that rules Taurus. And my um, big focus that I am really diving into is deeper work with the Venus cycles. Uh, I run the Venus Enchantment Community, which is a membership community, uh, which you can find links to below if you'd like to come and join us. And I find that Venus is just the uh, probably one of the most important planets that we could possibly work with uh, for our personal growth and desires. Okay, of course, all the planets are important. We wouldn't be without them. But on that note, you can and in the you cannot make this up. The Venus, um, the Venus New Moon chart that I've cast and that I'll be talking about throughout this podcast um, has um, a couple of very interesting configurations that I'll go into more. And the cards I pulled happen to um, kind of align with that, as you would imagine. So I actually pulled two cards. I pulled the art card, first of all, which is the principle of integration, synthesis and synergy. All right. And and this is the Sagittarius card. And we actually have a finger of fate or destiny or God pointing at the south node in Sagittarius that I'm going to talk about. But this really is, and I'm going to read the quote from Ken Wilber, No Boundary. The point is to unify and harmonize the opposites, both positive and negative, by discovering a ground which transcends and encompasses them both. And that is the principle of this. You know, it's it's about integration, synthesis, synergy, um, alchemy. And excuse that. If you can hear that noise outside, you'll have to excuse it. I work from home and occasionally there's noise. <laughs> So we have the scorp we have, you know, um the Scorpio, the Eagle or Phoenix, and um and also we have uh the bird and the skull, the union of life and death, and and there's just all the opposites in here. 
and the Sagittarius symbol is represented by the arrow going up from the central part of the figure. If you can see this arrow going up from the central part of the figure. Okay. Sagittarius reminds us it is through our life visions and dreams that we fully express the artistry of who we are as well as resolve any apparent conflicts or opposition within our nature. However, this is pointing at the south node on the on this chart, which is at an important degree, and I'll talk more about that as we go on. We're actually being um, asked to open our minds to integrating in a very new way, to create a new potion in the middle. If you see the woman is is creating this potion. Um, that mixes all the opposites, okay, that is very different from the one we've lived with previously. And I'll talk about that when we get into the um, the chart itself. The other card I pulled in the You Cannot Make This S-H-I-T Up <laughs> world, I pulled the Empress, which is the Venus card and the principle of love with wisdom. This is the Earth Mother. And this, to my mind, is Venus in her Taurus incarnation. Venus rules Taurus and Libra. Um, and in the Taurus incarnation, it's very much the Earth Mother kind of energy. I'm actually um, studying to, um, to do the work of the Venus star point that's created by Ariel Gutman. She kind of thinks that the evening star Venus, which we're um, now under by this new moon, is the is uh, the Libra one because it's more about relationship. I kind of differ, differ with that. I think the Venus star, Venus evening star is the Taurus evening star because it's an earth sign and it's more receptive. And it's more about attraction and and earthly creativity and um, about self-worth and self-esteem. So it's more about the love uh, coming into the self and raising your own self-esteem and putting, um, putting your self-care and self-love primary to your focus. My Venus commun um, enchantment community members will tell you that I've been battering on about self self-love for ages now and it's ever more important as the evening star um, emerges which will incidentally be on May the 4th so that brings me to this chart okay so we have the uh, Taurus new moon is at 21 degrees of Taurus almost exactly conjunct Black Moon Lilith, which I will speak to, and in sextile to a triad of energies in Pisces, which include Neptune, um, <coughs> asteroid Lilith, so we're looking at two Liliths involved in this, and I'll speak to that, and also Pallas Athena. The uh, new moon is, al is also in an almost exact quincunx, to the goddess Juno, who's retrograde. And so I'll talk to that as well. Um, we also have Venus, the ruler, is her will have moved into Gemini by the time uh, of the new moon. As I record this on April the uh, 28th, um, 
She's still in Taurus, still under the beams of the sun. Well, by the time of the new moon on May the 11th, Venus will have moved out to be visible out of the beams of the sun. She will be 12 degrees away from the sun and you should be able to see her as evening star. So to honour this new moon, um, if you have a good clear view, you should get out in at sunset and just after the sun sets, when you look to the west, you will see Venus twinkling as the evening star where she'll be for the rest of the year. And as I say, I kind of think Venus evening star is the Taurus star, but we'll, it's fine to think differently. It doesn't, um, the energies are still working as anyway. And Venus is going to be um, on this new moon in a very interesting configuration to um, a figure called Coriclo, who I work with now. And she is the grace spinner. And she incidentally goes retrograde on May the 4th. The other configuration that we have going on for this um, for this lunation is we have a finger of fate or destiny or God or yod. It's called a yod. And um, it, this is formed by, <coughs> excuse me, by a sextile from Mars in Cancer to um, Uranus in Taurus again. And they're both at 11 degrees on May the 11th. And they're both pointing at the south node in Sagittarius, which is the alchem which is the art card, the Sagittarius card. And this is why I kind of think this is slightly different, that we're being asked to create this new potion from um, releasing old dogma and old beliefs and creating this new story. I'll talk more about that as well. Other things of note on this um, new moon are that Mercury is conjunct the North Node. So the North Node is still is connected in this finger of fate that we have going on as well. And Mercury actually uh, crosses the North Node and goes out of bounds on May the 4th. And uh, that is also the same day that Venus um, will emerge from the beams of the sun. So we've got Venus coming out from under the beams of the sun saying, here I am, I'm strength, I'm strong again. Mercury's um, going rogue or maverick or out of bounds and also leaving the bounds of the nodes. Um, where he's been trapped along with all the other planets. Mars left a little while ago and has been the solo figure. And um, so now we are really emerging from this time of confinement. Um, for quite a few months, all the planets, all the major planets, were trapped in what's called a draconic bowl. You may have heard Jen and I talking about it. And, and that's a time of confinement known as the time of the serpent. We've all been in this alchemical pot, this uh, really stirring up this new self, this new way of being. We are becoming new. I described to my Venus Enchantment members the other day that we are kind of the that you know we are the new creation it's not what we're creating out there it's what we're creating within us because we are be we've become renewed all this um 
energy has been moving towards it. Mars moved out beyond the, the North Node, first of all, leading the way as the pioneer he is. Um, he crossed that North Node and he has become more of the protector Mars as we move forward. And we're starting to see that we're, um, as a society, you, you can find this if you look for it, starting to think how we protect our own and our, those that we love. I'm not talking in um, countries way. I'm talking about protecting the earth, protecting each other, protecting our homes, protecting our hearts and protecting ourselves and our families. So that's what Mars is doing. And he's moved to 11 degrees of cancer in the sign of the home and family. And he's being uh, this maverick energy. And I kind of think it's been a good thing for Mars being this maverick energy. Although we've had a lot of violence, so it could be caused that as well. But Mars is often seen, uh, Mars is often portrayed as this warrior, kind of um, always aggressive, always violent kind of figure. But we have to first of all remember that Mars is a protector. The god Mars didn't actually go around killing people, all right? I kind of see him as the god now. We have, if you look in the order of the planets, we have the sun, which is the core of our solar system, then Mercury, then Venus, then the Earth, then Mars. And after Mars, we go out to what's called transpersonal planets and beyond. All those personal planets, Mars stands there at the gates of the universe, guarding all this inner life. And that's so apt that after this time of the serpent, where we've been in this big melting pot, being shifted and being changed, that Mars went out and, um, and said, I'm going to check out the ground as we move into this new way of being. And now he's involved in this finger of fate or God or destiny, whatever you want to call it. And I will come back to that in a minute. Mercury, though, Mercury going out of bounds and heading into the second retrograde of the year is um, incidentally. Mer uh, Mercury will um, go retrograde on May the 29th at 24 Gemini and retrograde back to 16 Gemini. So Mercury is not quite in his sh shadow period on this, but he's conjunct that north node. So he's involved in this finger of fate of God. And when Mercury is um, when Mercury is out of bounds, which he is on this new moon, he's thinking differently. He's thinking outside the box. And so we've got that energy as well on the north node, which is our longing, which we're really yearning for is to think differently, is to create this new story of our being, of our lives, all right? So so we've got Mercury there, and of course, the North Node and Mercury are opposite the South Node, which is the point of the finger of fate, or God. So we're being asked to release the old stories and create the new here, in a very different or maverick or rogue way, and think of things we've never done before. I may as well still stay with the finger of fate or God because the other leg of that is um, Uranus in Taurus. Now Uranus in Taurus has had all these personal planets going over it. It's at the 11 degree uh, mark, which is the um, which is a number of um, 
So the 11 is the master teacher, the karmic master teacher, and it's known as a gateway number. So we are learning these new lessons and this gateway opening. All right. Now, the nodes are not quite at 11 degrees, but um, they are at 10 degrees, 43 minutes, and they are almost at 11 degrees. So this is a really karmic pattern on this, a finger of fate or destiny. We are being really pointed to what we need to let go of. You know, the nodes have been in um, in Sagittarius and Gemini since May the 5th, 2020. So look back to that time, okay, and see, you know, what old beliefs you've been letting go of. This is kind of the last big blast before the nodes move back to the um, first decan of Gemini and Sagittarius, which for the nodes is the last decan of um, Gemini and Sagittarius. They're going to move into the Sagittarius Sagittarius de decan or decan and the Gemini decan or decan. That means it's the first 10 degrees of the signs. And that will be the last third of their journey into um, um, until they move out of these signs in January the 18th, 2022. So this is a real kind of like, are you listening kind of energy? You know, we've we've been in this journey since early last year. We've been in this um, time of the serpent. We've been in this COVID crisis. Um, and we've been changed by it in many, many ways. And, you know, no matter what you think of the virus itself, I think the lessons we've had to learn of it are changing us entirely. We've never been through anything like this before, you know, not as humans as we live now. And I don't think humans have been through a time like this um, in a very, very long time. What a time to be alive, hey? <laughs> but we're kind of moving into a, another third of this transformation time, okay? We've been in um, a, almost a year, and it will be a year on, on this new moon. And now we've got another just uh, six months or so of real transformation and real changing our minds and writing a new story. Now, it's a very, very creative new moon, okay? It's at 21 degrees, a 21-3 number, and three is a real number of creativity. But it's also um, of a number of inner peace. I'm drawn back to the Empress card. It's creative, it's artistic, it's growth and expansion. Um, it's also a number with natural rhythm and communication. This is a 21-3. And of course, the three is also body, soul and spirit. Um, it's also the, you know, the trinity in many, many cases. OK, but at its highest, it's the principle of kind of expansion, growth, abundance, but on on the physical, emotional, mental, financial and spiritual levels. When the number, you know, three is around, it's about real um, creating true abundance in life, not just talking about just the level of money. It's about abundance in all ways. Okay. 
quite interestingly, it can be a time of um, a little bit of weight gain if you're not careful too, depending where it affects you in your chart, of course. But at a deeper level as well, this new moon is... Um, uh, so, And I've talked about the 11 because it's May the 11th. So lots of 11s in it, okay? Um, but Venus, the ruler of this new moon, is also at a three. So Venus herself is at a three, the number of her own card. So we're kind of being asked to step into this uh, manifestation and abundance of this new story of create it, like write your ideal life or something, write a, or write yourself a letter from the end of this year, okay, after Venus goes home her retrograde, um, and incidentally, I do do a Venus retrograde class that's a very affordable and magical every year. And it's a seven week journey through her retrograde. Uh, but that will take us into this period where things, everything will have changed, will have created a new life, a new story. What do you vision that life looking like? What do you want to attract in your life? But more importantly, who do you want to be? What do you want to be? based on real core values and deep um, longing, okay? Because all of this is pointing to that, all right? this It's such a creative new moon. Now, here we have Lilith, Black Moon Lilith, um, almost exactly conjunct the new moon. And that's around shame. You know, the Black Moon Lilith is the rejected Lilith. Lilith was the first wife of Adam in, in many, in the myth. Um, created equal from the same earth, okay, not created from Adam's rib, which um, Eve was. And um, she refused to submit to him, as, as so the myth, the patriarchal myth goes. <laughs> so who knows exactly? And it's all stories, okay. But Lilith is the rejected um, Lilith. She's the one that was either uh, thrown out of Eden or... Um, uh, she was she may have left because uh, she was so being so rejected and she would not be treated equally and she's the one that's been shamed she was created as this succubus who killed babies and things like that and she was created as the snake she was also said to be the snake in the um the tree of knowledge that tempted Adam and Eve with the apple. You know, she's all that's bad about the divine feminine. Okay, And we all have black moon Lilith in us though. So this is not just about women and men, but this is about how the feminine has been rejected and, um, and forced and made to feel bad and dirty over their lives. Well, here's black moon Lilith conjunct this beautiful creative new moon. And she is at 22 degrees, which is another master number, that master builder number. We have a lot of 11s and a lot of, we have the 22. But the new moon and Lilith, the Lilith conjunction are in a, um, a sextile aspect, which I think of an aspect as of opportunity to Neptune at 22 degrees of Pisces asteroid Lilith which is the uh, pre-rejection Lilith if you like this is the original Lilith created with um, 
at the same time as Adam. Her symbol is um, five fingers and a thumb kind of thing. It looks a bit like a comb, but it's actually kind of the hand. I've, I've read that as talk to the hand. I see it more as Venus cycle represents our humanness. Okay. It makes a five put beautiful five pointed star. So the five is very associated with Venus. And the asteroid Lilith could be said, she's the only physical um, Lilith in our cosmos. The black moon Lilith is a point, but um, the asteroid Lilith is a rock, is the, is the original form of the divine feminine that was created equal with the divine masculine. All right, so, and then we have Pallas Athena there as well. She's the strategist. She's been creating these, helping us to create strategies to move forward. She's also wise justice, bringing in the wise justice of it's time to integrate all the opposites. The day, the night, the, the masculine, the feminine, as we've called it, which I think we should do, dump the terms. The receptive, the active. Um, the inhale and exhale, all all better terms than the masculine and feminine because the gods uh, don't have gender. So, you know, they've got these energies within them and only we have said this is what's masculine, this is what's feminine. So um, biologically, there are two sexes, but in mind, body and spirit, we have everything within us, okay? Neptune in Pisces next to asteroid Lilith is asking us to release and let go. Okay, release, let go. And then we've got a quincunx from the new moon to asteroid Juno over in Sagittarius with that south node. Incidentally, the two are heading back together. Those two will meet when uh, Juno stations direct uh, later in the year. She stations direct on August the 8th and she will be exactly conjunct the South Node then. But keep listening to the podcast and I'll talk more about that later. But that will be at eight degrees of Sagittarius. So Juno is our sacred um, intimacy asteroid. She's been called the marriage asteroid. I think that's just too limiting for her. I think she is really about deep, deep intimacy with each other. We are such a separated society. You know, we've come, you know, we, we live in our little boxes. We don't really mix, you know. Um, a lot of us don't have very close, um, and I'm talking about close emotional intimacy with people. You know, how many of you have somebody who you can really share your most intimate um, feelings with, okay, and to show your vulnerability with? Of course, we've all been working on it. You know, if we followed any anybody who follows anything of Brene Brown, um, if you want to, then watch her on Netflix. She has a Netflix uh, special, which has probably been around for ages, but somehow I discovered it this morning called the call to courage um that's very important but this quincunx from juno to the new moon is is asking us to adjust what we think about about what intimacy and what relationship to everything is and i'm talking about being intimate with your 
at money too and things instead of accumulating lots of stuff how about Taurus like really loves their stuff okay Taurus energy just loves their stuff they're often described as materialistic they're not really they just really love what they have around them that what what has meaning and matters to them and what they really value okay so this is kind of what we're being asked to adjust to we're being pulled as a society away from this um, separatist kind of more 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 I've got mine you get your own we're all individually responsible for ourselves I even have um, difficulties with the term sovereignty these days yes we only have control over ourselves and our responses but we also have to acknowledge that we are in a relationship with everything what happens to me or what happens to you happens to me if something happens to these people over here it affects the rest of the world so we have to learn to be in this intimate relationship with each other and to support each other this is not talking politically at all though it can apply to that I'm talking about that recognition of deep connection and um, coming together that we are all in this together to quote my hero Bernie Sanders who's a by no means a perfect person but you know he's 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 right we are all in this together now I said I would mention uh, Kariklo and Venus so Kariklo um, has been speaking to me quite a lot recently she's a centaur um, that is uh, kind of way out there she was married to um, to the uh, to Chiron, who incidentally is also at eleven degrees on this, along with Mars, uh, Uranus, <coughs> um, Mars and Uranus, and and the nodes really. Uh, so you know uh, he's important in this too. But Kariklo is in this lovely trine, supportive trine aspect to Venus on this lunation. Now, Kariklo um, has been described by um, Melanie Reinhardt as the grey spinner. I've, I've been really starting to tune into her, but I kind of feel like Kariklo um, has a lot to say about spinning and weaving new stories. She's got that energy of that empress figure, but I see her more as kind of this... Um, mentor teacher spinning through stories spinning webs and spinning so forth now you know there's not much known about Kariklo in the myth that so she was a nymph who married the centaur Chiron so they were very different but you know there was no and she nursed she was a very um, graceful peaceful um, figure space holder who held space for Chiron when he um, had his wound that would not heal uh, he eventually gave his immortality up for to Prometheus so that Prome Prometheus uh, could end his suffering and so Chiron could end his suffering um, by becoming mortal and therefore his wound being able to uh, kill him so 
It's got that element of sacrifice for Chiron and so has Coraiclo. Now, but looking at the life of Chiron, Chiron was um, mentor to the gods, okay. I kind of have a suspicion that Coraiclo, who has been described as a handmaiden of Pallas Athena and a couple of other other goddesses, I actually kind of think she was the mentor to the goddesses. As um, Coraiclo was the teacher um, of the medicine, I think Coraiclo was teaching through stories. I could picture her with the goddesses in the myth, and this is the energy she gives off to me, kind of sitting there at her loom or her spinning wheel, teaching the stories and weaving these new stories. Okay, so this is who I think Coraiclo is. And I think this supportive aspect between Venus, newly in Gemini, heading towards an, a very important point, by the way, that's involved in this um, destiny, um, figure of fate that we've got going on is about creating the new stories. Venus is newly emerged on this as her, as, um, as the evening star, as I said, the evening star being the more receptive, but more, uh, but also more, um, kind of implementing the ideas kind of, um, um, energy of Venus. She's kind of the more energy of this empress, the more kind of slow, kind of graceful, um, weaving, spinning kind of Venus. She's on her way to the North Node to leave that time of the serpent or the draconic bowl also. But when she does, she's then going to get reach the point that was 13 degrees Gemini of her last meeting with the sun last June the 3rd 2020 where she became the morning star which was also not long after that time where the nodes uh, moved back into um, Sagittarius and Gemini and we we kind of really came into the getting our heads wrapped around the fact that this pandemic was not going to be over and this was going to change everything about us and our lives okay in a very big way we'd kind of come to that um no knowing by may june of last year so all of that energy is being activated again venus is on her way to that but on her way she creates this lovely supportive aspect to coraiclo in aquarius who incidentally is about to reach the opposition point of her discovery chart. And I should do a whole podcast on Coraiclo's discovery chart or, or, or write something because Coraiclo's discovery chart is one of the most beautiful charts I've ever seen. But she was discovered in 1997 and Coraiclo is going to reach the opposite point of her discovery, which was at 6 Leo. And so I think Coraiclo is coming into our um, into our psyche even more, um, and her psych, her her um, her energy and her meaning is going to be revealed to us even more. You know, it's it's been about what how many years, thirty four something like that since nineteen ninety seven. 
not that long. My daughter's not like I'm 24. <laughs> so uh, Kariklo, um has this very erratic cycle. So I'm going to be discussing that. But I kind of feel like she's here to initiate the help to initiate our hopes and wishes for the future there in Aquarius. Okay. And, and the aspect of Venus um, having come out of the Kala Supa, uh, Sapa, the uh, time of the serpent or the draconic bowl, um, is is there with with um, Kariklo to kind of weave this new story. That's that's how it feels to me. Now, let me see. Is there anything else I want to tell you about this before I read the symbols? Now, speaking of great mother, Ceres. Ceres has also moved into Taurus by this um, lunation as well. And she's not far off aspecting both Venus and Caracalo too. And that's, and, and she's in there as well saying, you know, really get down on the values. All right. Taurus is all about your core values. A good activity on this um new moon would be to think about all that I've said, all that we talk about writing a new story, all about this fate and destiny that we are moving towards with this uh, Gemini North Node particularly of thinking differently, of thinking about community differently. Everything in this chart says we've got to come into real relationship with other, with other with each other and with everything that is we've got to bring all of the things together in this one big melting pot and alchemize everything that we know whether it's race black and white brown and white whether it's male and female whether it's the um all, you know, the opposites within us, kind of the right, the left brain, the um, mind and spirit, all of this has to be integrated going forward in this big kind of graceful melting pot. And I do see it uh, starting to happen, but there's more that has to come. Also on this lunation, I should mention that Jupiter is at 29 degrees of Aquarius. Okay, and um, that's at the final um, degree of the sign. And Jupiter is going to move into Aquarius two days, sorry, into Pisces two days after this uh, lunation. So we've got Jupiter at that anoretic degree of Aquarius really um, going, okay, there's all this Aquarius energy and kind of feeling a little bit fractious at that because Jupiter at, um, at its highest is about our beliefs, all right? And he is here saying, what do we believe we can create for the future? <clears throat> what believe, what, what hopes and wishes can we create for the future? Then he's going to dive into Pisces, where he's very much at home because he's the traditional ruler of the sign of Pisces. And we're going to take a whole big deep dive into faith and belief when Jupiter moves into Pisces. But he is going to only be in Pisces until 
I'm just going to look at that. Until June the 2nd. He's, uh, sorry, no, until July the 28th. Because then he's going to retrograde back into Aquarius for a little while. And then Jupiter will go back into Pisces right at the end of the year, December the 28th. So we're going to get a little glimpse from May the 11th to July the whatever it was of what Jupiter in Pisces is about. But with this anoretic degree feels a little bit frenetic. It's kind of like, oh God, all these changes are coming. We've got all this um, energy coming up in the North Node on Gemini, really asking us to really open our minds and change our story. And incidentally, we're entering eclipse season as well, which is also a very erratic um, uh, period. The, uh, the next podcast will be about the first eclipse, which is on May the 26th. Um, and then we have two eclipses. So we'll come back for more of that. But overall, this lunation is really kind of telling me that we are really ready to create something new and to write this new story. I know I keep saying it a lot, but um, but it's true. So I want to look at the uh, symbols. So the Sabian symbol for Taurus 22, because remember, we always go up one uh, from the degree of the new moon is a white dove flying over troubled waters. And that brings me back to that um, Empress card again with her <coughs> white dove on the card and her very peaceful um, kind of presence. So it says that the keynote was the spiritual inspiration that comes to the individual in the overcoming of crisis. Because it's undeniable that we are have been in a crisis and we are still in one. And we're still in troubled waters, but we are give, being given this opportunity, okay? So Dane Rudyard, he interpreted it as saying, here also we are confronted with a symbol of guidance and the dove flying over troubled waters reminds one of the story of Noah and the ark. Noah met his and humankind's crisis courageously and in complete obedience to the divine's promptings. The test completed, he received the dove's message. It's a message from the Holy Spirit announcing a new, a new dispensation. This symbolic scene can be applied to personal crises resulting from emotional upheavals or from the eruption of unconscious forces and impulses into the consciousness if the crisis has been faced in the right spirit. So um, he says at the end, but he says um, the, the rhythm of the cosmic God-ordained cycles that reveal its conclusive beat through a living and concretely significant sign. Kind of a reward to the faithful, he describes it as. And that kind of makes sense to me. It's if you're facing this crisis that we've been in, with grace and seeing how you can create this new story from the chaos that we've and the troubled waters that we've been through okay you'll get the reward so taurus 22 the chandra symbol 
is a blindfolded woman who sees the future, witnessing dispassionately the flow of time, standing outside of all linear progression and knowing what is likely to happen here, supremely disengaged from surface affairs, even lightly dismissive of all secondary considerations, but tuned right into the thread of prophecy and inner vision, granted a certain grace to follow the inner track and serving a larger function as part shaman, part seer and part commonsensical advisor. Salty wit, earthy and pithy, no nonsense. You know where the bones are buried. Penetrating insight, a throwback to simpler worlds. One who warns of dangers ahead and is not amused by factions and fragments and phantoms of common assumption. So that, to my mind, really kind of means rise above these old stories. Rise above, you know... um, or stand outside of all this kind of chaos and and the sto- and the, the the troubled waters that are around and tuning in to where the bones are buried and really creating this new story okay um so that's what that speaks to to me so i hope you enjoyed the first weirdly cosmic podcast um I hope this is as deep guidance that will help you through as you experience from the Weirdly Magical podcast. I kind of enjoy just speaking to you myself anyway, but uh, um, you can find me at my website, louiseeddington.com, L-O-U-I-S-E-E-D-I-N-G-T-O-N.com. Uh, you can follow me as Cosmic Owl Astrology on Instagram, Facebook. I have a Facebook group Cosmic Owl Astrology Cafe and um, I also have my Venus Enchantment community where we'll actually be having um, the some first calls for Venus emerging as evening star we're actually going to have one on May the 4th to celebrate her emergence in out of the beams of the sun and then we're going to have a, another call a week later on May the 11th to celebrate her meeting with the moon and the and um, the moon and Venus's kiss, uh, which is a very important step in the Venus cycle. So join the community to find out more, or just come follow me on all the Instagram and um, Facebook and uh, follow my posts. And I hope you'll enjoy this podcast and leave it a review, um, all those things. But for now. It's goodbye from Louise Eddington and many blessings on your path and tune into this Emperor card and the Art card with, uh, with grace. <laughs>